Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Michael Cutler Hour. I am your host, Michael Cutler. It is Friday evening. It is July the 30th, 2021. We're at the end of July. I guess that puts us uh, smack dab in the middle of summer. I hope all is going well for you, even as the world continues to go crazy. Uh, The Delta variant of COVID, God knows what else. This is kind of like those of you old enough to remember Alex Haley, who used to do all these disaster movies, Towering Inferno, and you name it, and every kind of catastrophe uh, hit, and and these poor people had to somehow survive uh, all hell breaking loose. I I think we're there. Uh, I keep saying that Rod Serling has been writing the script. Perhaps it's Alex Haley who's writing the script. But in any event, we will soldier on. And, And the best defense that we have is knowledge, understanding, Uh, John Adams was right. Facts are stubborn things. And, and, you know, I keep thinking about George Orwell. I mean, who couldn't, given everything that's going on? Um, When when you look at George Orwell and some of the amazing things he said, and I I was kind of a a one-man campaign, not trying to dislocate my shoulder and take credit for it. But if you remember, not long ago, all we heard about was you were being too politically correct, too politically correct. And I said, you know, this is ridiculous. This isn't political correctness. This is Orwellian newspeak. This is about concocting words that obfuscates the truth so that it's impossible to have an honest conversation. And then, of course, college campuses shut down debate. It's kind of like the Model T Ford that you could get in any color as long as it was black. Uh, The people that are behind all of the radical movements understand that there is no way that they could win a debate. So all that they could do is try to stifle debate. It's the equivalent of the Nazis burning books. Don't let people know that there's another way of seeing things, another way of understanding things. Heck no. We're just going to push our agenda, keep on with the big lie, straight out of the Third Reich, straight out of Mein Kampf, that was Hitler's thing, <clears throat> go out there with the big lie and accuse your opponents, accuse your opponents of perpetrating the big lie, while in fact it was Hitler and Goebbels who foisted the big lie on, on the Germans. <clears throat> Pardon me, sorry about that. So that's where we are the big lie, Orwellian news speak, and then something had dawned on me because we keep talking about the hypocrisy. So on the one hand, and I was just watching a news conference with uh, the director of CDC for Biden, and she was asked, well, with all the concerns about the Delta variant of COVID, that it's more dangerous, it's more contagious, what about what's happening on the border? And boy, was she an artful dodger well, we at the CDC, we're, we're doing this and we're doing that and we're, we're going to go around it and we're providing information and technology. It didn't answer the question. There is no answer to the question because it makes no sense. <clears throat> we are blocking people 
from coming to the United States legally from Canada and places in Europe and elsewhere if there's high levels of COVID. The people are charging across the border. They're not being checked for COVID. Uh, they're not vaccinated. How does this help America get the numbers of vaccinated people up if, in fact, that's the solution? And I'm not going to claim to be a medical expert. I'm not. I don't go, you know, outside my, my uh, area of expertise to suggest where we should go with things. But goodness. <clears throat> We're told we need vaccine and we need masks and we need to have social distancing and all this other stuff. And at the very same time, the Biden administration refuses to take any action to stop a human tsunami from coming into the country. And many of these people are likely sick, if not with COVID, perhaps other diseases. They've not been vaccinated. We have no idea. But we're not securing the border. We're not securing the border even as narcotics in record quantities flood into the United States and kill people. We're not securing the border even as we have to be concerned about the threat of terrorism and crime and gangs and jobs for Americans. Our borders are there for a purpose, to protect America and Americans against aliens with dangerous diseases. Think about COVID and others. Aliens who are mentally ill, aliens who are criminals and terrorists and spies and human rights violators and human traffickers and drug smugglers and Nazi war criminals and fugitives from justice. And then we get to aliens who were previously deported <clears throat> or they would like, if, if they entered, they would likely become public charges because they don't have the apparent means to support themselves. They don't have family here that we're aware of that would help to support them. And then we come to aliens who, if they worked, would displace American workers and take the jobs of Americans while driving down the wages for those who managed to hold on to their jobs. What in the world is unreasonable about enforcing laws that have that as their objective? And if you think I'm getting it wrong, please go to Title Eight, United States Code, Section 1182. Look it up. It includes the grounds for excluding aliens, aliens who are inadmissible into the United States. There's not a word in there about race, religion, ethnicity, nothing. It's the issues that I just discussed with you. It's about national security, public health, public safety, and the jobs and wages of Americans, period. If you get to sum it up, that's what it's about. Keeping people out who pose a threat to public health, public safety, national security, and the jobs and wages of Americans. And the Biden administration has done nothing to discourage this human tsunami. In fact, they're doing everything possible to encourage it, encourage it. Let's have more come. And I've talked about why I think he's doing it uh, and, and why the people who pull the strings demand it. And now the people that pull the strings wanted him to cancel Title 42, which says that you're inadmissible. If you have a dangerous disease, we're going to keep you out because of COVID. Not that he's doing it anyway. <clears throat> so you look at that and you say, well, wait a minute. How does this make sense? The Biden administration is grappling with COVID, the Delta variant, which is supposedly more lethal, more contagious, might even affect children more than the original variant. And there's going to be more variations because viruses continually mutate. Why would you not want to keep people out who have a disease? Why would you not want to keep criminals out? Why? So you have a contradictory situation. On the one hand, we have to get everybody inoculated. On the other hand, we're bringing in God knows millions of people who haven't been inoculated. Well, it dawned on me that George Orwell had a word for this. 
You ready for this one? It's called DoubleThink. Here is how George Orwell defined DoubleThink. The power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. This is DoubleThink. We have to protect America against COVID, but at the same time, we're going to flood America with lots of foreign nationals who have no one had right to be here who may be suffering from disease, certainly weren't vaccinated. So it makes it even more difficult to protect Americans from what is a deadly disease. <clears throat> it's contradictory. But I think what's even more interesting is the George Orwell term, doublethink, the power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. George Orwell has written the playbook. This is where we are. The administration engages in doublethink and is trying to persuade Americans to engage in doublethink as well. It's nuts. It's insanity. It's insanity. And at some point, it has to stop. People will die because of these policies. This isn't an academic debate. We're not you know, sitting here saying, well, should we raise taxes? Should we raise interest? We're going to tweak the economy. No, folks, this is life and death. We're allowing criminals in. We're springing criminals from prisons. They're going out. They're killing people. We're told it's about gun control. I'll tell you what. I've been carrying a firearm since I became an agent in 1975. Been around for a while. And in all my life, and dealing with firearms, I have yet to see a gun running down the street indiscriminately shooting people or targeting people without somebody pulling the trigger. Guns don't pull their own trigger. But this administration is certainly pulling our chains. Okay? I took a lot of guns off the street as an agent that were in the possession of some very dangerous criminals, drug dealers, child molesters. Uh, You'd be amazed at how many guns I've taken off the street with my colleagues. I had a desk at DEA for 15 years, first with DEA intelligence, and then when I went to the Organized Crime Drug Enforcement Task Force. For 10 years, I had desks at both ATF and the FBI. We took a lot of guns off the street. You took all sorts of weapons off the street, including explosives. Happy to do it. Dangerous weapons in the hands of sociopathic criminals is not a good idea. But the idea that the guns are the problem, no, it's the criminals who are the problem. And if a criminal can't get his or her hand on a gun, they'll find something else they can use. You could kill somebody with a skillet or a knife or a car. And we're giving illegal aliens driver's licenses. And we know that terrorists have not used an airplane in a terror attack that I'm aware of since 9-11. If you look throughout the world where there have been terrorist attacks since 9-11, almost always the attacker in one way or another used as a motor vehicle. Matter of fact, prior to 9-11, we saw that also. In 1993, a Pakistani national by the name of Mir Almil Kanti shot up the CIA. He was from Pakistan, came to the United States, applied for asylum, and he drove a courier van that had a permit that allowed that van to be parked in the CIA parking lot in Virginia. And in January 93, This piece of work drove that van into the parking lot in the morning as CIA officials were reporting for duty. He jumped out of the van with an AK-47, and he 
pulled the trigger on the AK-47 that killed two and injured four, and then he fled the country. The next month, we have the bombing at the Trade Center. What was involved in that bombing? A truck rented by an illegal alien and driven by an illegal alien. They had violated their visas. So we have a truck used to carry out the deadly bombing of the World Trade Center in 1993. As a consequence, six people were killed, over 1,000 people were injured. The towers almost collapsed. Had they done that, God knows, we could have had hundreds of thousands of fatalities. The seawall that tapes the Hudson River out of low Manhattan would have been breached. I, I don't even know what the cost would have been in, in human lives or in, in property value or money. It would have been of historic proportions. But it was it involved a truck, two terrorists, one driving it, one rented it. A couple of years ago, we had pedestrians mowed down on the West Side Highway within sight of Ground Zero, the new World Trade Center, mowed down by a truck. Around the world, we've seen motor vehicles used to kill people <clears throat> by terrorists. And by the way, our officials know it's a problem, and that's why they put up all these concrete barriers and spikes in the road and all kinds of to stop car bombs and truck bombs. But who knows who's behind the wheel? This is the lunacy that we're witnessing today. It's the car bomb not the driver that we have to worry about. It's the gun, not the guy that wields the gun or the gal that wields the gun that we have to worry about. This is delusional. We're concerned about COVID, but we flood America with aliens who have not been checked for COVID and who have not been vaccinated. Double think. Can we describe it any better than that? Double think. The power of holding two contradictory beliefs in one's mind simultaneously and accepting both of them. Wow. That's where we are today. Welcome to America. America's motto, e pluribus unum, out of many one. Uh, we're almost at the point where we need to change it to abandon all hope, all ye who enter here. Absolutely stupefying. <clears throat> and if you dare suggest that we keep people out who might hurt us, you're going to be accused of being a bigot and a racist and anti-immigrant and a xenophobe, and the list goes on. The list goes on. How terrible of you to not want to allow criminals and terrorists into the United States. How terrible of you to not want to keep people out of the country who have a dangerous disease, even as Americans were forced to be locked down in their own homes. So the border that could not be crossed was the threshold to the front door of your house. <clears throat> the lockdown, that's where we were, right? But the national borders that's supposed to keep America safe, borders, we don't need no stinking borders. Immigration laws, same deal. This administration has done irreparable damage to national security and public safety, and they refuse to be made accountable. They refuse to answer the questions, why are you doing it? A simple question that every politician should have to be made to answer. Think about this. On all levels, whenever you hear a proposal, whether it's congestion pricing, whatever it is, the one question that should always, always, always be asked is, how is this good for Americans? How is this good for the residents of your cities? How is this good for the residents of your towns? How is it good 
for the residents of your state. Giving illegal aliens driver's licenses, okay, sell me on it. Explain to me what the upside is. They'll drive safely if they're going to drive anyway, so we wave the flag of surrender. They're going to shoplift anyway, right? So now shoplifting around the country is a common occurrence. Why? Because they don't get punished for shoplifting. I guess pretty soon, using Orwellian Newspeak, we will come to refer to shoplifting as what? Cashless purchasing? Think about that one. Cashless purchasing. Yes, the man ran into the store and grabbed up a basket filled with whatever it was he needed, and today was cashless Friday, so he didn't bother paying. Cashless Friday. Holy smoke. Double think. It's exactly what it is. Forgive me for ranting. It just lights my fuse when I see the madness that's going on. And what upsets me probably more than anything is how many people actually shrug their shoulders and say, well, what are you going to do? Well, I guess it's okay. Tell that to the people who lost loved ones or the people who've been beaten, raped, robbed, whatever, the people who've lost their businesses. What can you do? This is America. Anything goes, right? It's like the Roaring Twenties. Well, maybe the Roaring Twenties are back. Anything goes. Unbelievable. Unbleeping believable. Now, I wrote two articles that I want to discuss with you now that I have vented. Boy, this is cathartic, you know. I don't know how else to do this because I want to wake all of you up. I want you to sit down with your neighbors this weekend. If you go to a barbecue, if you go to a birthday party, whatever it is, you're on the phone, talk to your friends and neighbors. This is so irrational, there is no possible explanation that anybody can provide where it makes sense. I I was talking to a very close friend. Uh, I have friends who are almost like family. In many ways, friends can be better than family. You know, what do they say? You pick your friends, you don't pick your relatives. And this is a person who detested Donald Trump. And I said, okay, so I, I didn't think Trump was always right. I thought he was a poor communicator, to be honest. Not my cup of tea, but we're Americans. We can disagree. But who, since perhaps Eisenhower, understood a two-word phrase, American sovereignty, national sovereignty? Every president we have had since Kennedy has been a globalist. Globalist. And it really got amped up with Jimmy Carter when he started this nonsense of altering the language. We had it with Ronald Reagan, who gave us the visa waiver program, who gave us the massive amnesty program, who gave us the diversity visa, the so-called visa lottery that was signed into law by George Herbert Walker Bush. It's both parties, folks. When I hear this nonsense, oh, the Republicans, oh, the Democrats, really? They're Republicrats. They're on the same page because they're getting money from many of the same sources, bought and paid for. Donald Trump didn't take that money. They didn't own Donald Trump. Why do you think everybody was going crazy when he won the election? They brought in a true outsider. You know, the politicians like to pretend they're outsiders. Uh, They're outsiders. Meanwhile, they're operatives of the party. Then you have these politicians who lie through their teeth. I don't take PAC money, you know, political action committee money. I don't take a penny. 
all I take are ten to twenty dollar contributions from my from my constituents. Uh-huh. They also get money from the party. Now they don't talk about that money because the party does get PAC money, the PAC money, both parties do this to those politicians who are good little boys and good little girls who do what they're told. And these aren't leaders. If you think Chuck Schumer is a leader, well, he's a leading senator in the Senate. Chuck Schumer is a coward. Nancy Pelosi is a coward. She is a chicken. She squawks like a chicken. She walks like a chicken. And she acts like a chicken. She's deathly afraid of the radical left element of her party. A true leader would stand up to the radical left and say, you people are crazy. You're young enough to be my granddaughter. In Pelosi's case, maybe great-granddaughter. God only knows. That woman's old enough to cough dust. But instead of standing her ground, and what does Nancy have to lose? I mean, stop and think about it. Maybe if she wins another one or two terms in office, she's at the end of her career. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is at the beginning of her career. And if the Republic, Democrat Party had clipped her wings, she wouldn't be doing what she's doing. But she's out there because she intimidates the old guard because, God forbid, they should lose the next election. You know, sometimes it's good to go out when you're at the top of your game. I remember the Mary Tyler Moore show. I'm sorry, it was the Dick Van Dyke show. And I think Mary Tyler Moore also. They decided to call it quits when their ratings were at a peak, not when they were forced out because their ratings went through the floorboards, they went out on a high. They felt they had accomplished what they wanted to do with the program. They loved doing the show. I loved watching those programs. And they said, we're packing it in. We're going to go out when we're at the top of the game. Nancy Pelosi is Speaker of the House. You would think she should be able to say, you know what? Time to retire. Time to pack it in. No, this is pathology. This is cowardice in the face of adversity. I doubt Nancy's listening to me, but Nancy, if you're listening to me, when you're running from the mob, you might be in front of them, but you're not leading them because they're chasing you and you're running for your political life. And the same thing with Chuck Schumer. Instead of standing his ground, because they told Chuck, AOC wants your job. And Chuck started vibrating and said, oh my God, what will I do? What will I do? So he bends to the left and says, I'm going to bend to the left, and I'm going to prove I can be just as radical as AOC. Think about Mike Bloomberg. Holy smoke. And what does he say? I did everything you wanted me to do. What else do you want me to do? The guy is worth $60 billion. He pumped all that money into a campaign, and he crashed and burned. He was the mayor of New York for a number of terms. Go out on top. Go out on top. I was mayor. I made a ton of money. I'm one of the wealthiest men in the world. I'm going out. No. He runs for president and looked like a child. Looked like a child, an inept child. No courage. Just thirst for more power. What would he do with it to help America? God only knows. These aren't leaders. These aren't leaders. And the party is controlled by the people who write the checks. Money talks and BS walks. And that's why you have what you have. If these politicians truly believed in Lincoln's wonderful way of seeing America, a country of the people, by the people, and for the people, we wouldn't be bringing in more foreign workers than the number of new jobs we're creating. Both parties have done this, not one or the other, both. They're in on this together. They're Republicans. 
if they were really on our side, they'd hire more agents to do interior enforcement because interior enforcement is the issue. All we hear about is the border, 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 the southern border, the southern border. Meanwhile, no one knows who's coming across the northern border. No one knows who's coming across our 95,000 miles of coastline. And nobody talks about the aliens who are legally admitted at ports of entry, including international airports. In fact, I've been doing a number of programs for Newsmax TV. Very happy to do it. I was on today with Wake Up America at the ungodly hour of 6.40 a.m. It's kind of like you have jet lag without traveling anywhere. But I'm I'm happy to do it. I'm hopeful that I'll be doing many more programs with Newsmax and providing my perspectives. And I don't have all the answers, by the way. But I've been around long enough. I've been involved with the immigration issue since 1971. And one of the issues I raised today, it's just not the southern border. I'd love to know what the visa refusal rate is under the Biden administration. Because people apply for visas, they don't necessarily get them. But I'm willing to bet that uh, just about anybody that wants a visa can get one. And I'd love to know how many people have turned around at our ports of entry because the inspector determines that that alien belongs to one or more classes of aliens who are inadmissible uh, under that section of law, Title VIII, United States Code, Section 1182. A visa is not a guarantee of entry. So when Donald Trump told those 200-odd who were coming in at the time that he uh, put a lid on the, the admission of aliens from those six or seven countries where we couldn't screen the aliens, and the media immediately said, oh, these are Muslim-majority countries, which was bunk. Trump needed to go out there and say, hey, listen, in an average year, more than 100,000 aliens are denied entry into the United States, even if they have visas. So I'd love to know, under the policies of the Biden administration, how many aliens are denied entry. I guarantee you those numbers have dropped like a brick. So we've got everybody coming into our country from everywhere, competing with Americans for jobs, and creating a national security and public safety crisis all on top of that. Which brings me to some good news. i got to give you good news with all the bad news. We have to make sure you're, you're paying attention. But I wrote an article for Front Page Magazine, and I hope that all of you will go to frontpagemag.com after the program if you haven't looked at my article. And I put the link up uh, on the announcement for today's show. Federal judge halts the unlawful DACA scam. And my subtitle was Welcome News That's Nearly a Decade Late. Now, DACA is the quintessential con game. Now, what do I mean by that? I've written about DACA, I've spoken about it, but let me refresh your memory how DACA came about. Of course, DACA uh, rhymes with CACA, just saying, but it's an acronym for Deferred Action Childhood Arrival. But here's how it came about. Back in a little after 2000, Schumer and company tried to come up with something that they called comprehensive immigration reform. And it was sold to the American people on one of the most absurd premises possible. It was as dumbass as the way Reagan sold us on his amnesty of 86. They're here. At least now we'll get them out of the shadows and we'll know who they are. If you believe that story, wow, I got a bridge or a wall to sell you. Understand the problem, okay? First of all, we can't arrest them all. How many times have you heard that? There's 11 million. That's what we're being told now. We can't possibly arrest 11 million. So 
So the smartest thing we can do is what? Legalize them. Why is that? Now we'll know who they are. No, you won't. Because the process of legalization is only as good as the resources you have. So tell me, if you have 11 million applications, and the number will be much, much, much higher, Yale University a couple of years ago did a study. They estimated back then, before Biden came in and flooded the country, back then they said there were roughly 22 million, and I think that was a low number. But let's say 22 million. Let's say 11 million. So tell me, how do you interview 11 million illegal aliens who came into the country by sneaking past the vetting process? You have no way of knowing when they got here either. Well, if they came, they've been, that's the other lie. If they've been living here for a number of years and they've never been arrested, of course we should make them part of our economy. You've heard that argument. So first of all, will we know who they are? Probably not. Can we determine if they've been living here for many years? Yes, but you need to have agents who can go out and show a photograph and knock on doors and say to people, do you know Charlie Smith? And they can say, oh, yes, I remember Charlie moved in four years ago, uh, and, and we had already been living in this building. And then you go to his people at work, and they say, oh, yes, we know who that guy is. He's using a different name. We know him as Sam Jones, but, yes, and he's been working here under a fake name for the past six years, whatever. And you can do that. Do you think you could do those kinds of investigations when you're talking about millions of people? They only have a couple of thousand ICE agents and a, and a few hundred what they call general investigators assigned to the adjudications program. So do you think we have the resources to interview 25 million people? Probably not. In fact, the DACA applicants were not even interviewed because there were hundreds of thousands of those. So no interviews, no field investigations. Well, we're going to run fingerprints. Okay, cool. So you run the fingerprints. That may or may not work if the person has a criminal history in the United States or a couple of other countries that share that kind of data. But for the most part, those fingerprints are going to come back no record. The name will come back no record because it's probably not who they really are. So they get a lie about their identity. The fingerprints are all but meaningless. And you have to understand that if you're dealing with 25 million applications, you don't have much time to waste. Keep that machine moving. We're going to clear the backlog. They always say that. It sounds great. We're going to cut the red tape. And conservatives love that. They hate red tape. Yes, get rid of the red tape. Burn the red tape. We're going to have a red tape burning event in City Hall Plaza. We're going to burn the red tape. You know what red tape burning means? Just to prove everything. Just to pr- if, if it walks, crawls, or flies, if they say the most outrageous thing, get to yes. Get to yes. That's interesting. Get to yes was the orders given by an individual by the name of Alejandro Mayorkas to the people at Citizenship and Immigration Services when he ran that agency for Mr. Obama. He was the architect, by the way, of DACA, Mayorkas. And he told his people, you will approve those applications or else. I would... Some of the executives, the people directly under him, said, well, wait a minute, Mr. Mayorkas. These people aren't eligible for that benefit. Don't bother me with trivia. Approve that application, or I will find somebody who will. And he did. He demoted people. He moved them out of jobs because they did not get to yes. If they didn't get to yes, he got to no. No to them, they got canceled. 
So this is the guy who now runs the Department of Homeland Surrender. Did I say surrender? Homeland Security. You feel secure? I don't. So you're looking at millions of people. Lots of luck. I actually wrote an article back when they were trying to pass comprehensive immigration reform, and Jeff Sessions liked it so much he quoted me from the floor of the United States Senate during the floor debates around 2006 because I compared the adjudication, the uh, hearings that we, they were holding in Congress over comprehensive immigration reform to the countdown for the launch of Space Shuttle Challenger. The purpose for the countdown is for the experts, the engineers, the scientists to weigh in as to whether or not they should go forward with the launch. And we know what happened in January of 86 when, against the advice of some of their best engineers, NASA launched Challenger, uh, wound up killing seven astronauts and losing Space Shuttle Challenger. Okay? Well, the purpose of the hearings is for the experts to weigh in as to whether they should go forward with legislation. And in this case, the legislation had a direct impact on the safety, not of seven incredibly valiant astronauts, but the safety of 300 million Americans back then. And I said, if we're going to be honest about it, let's give it a really good and honest and descriptive name. Forget comprehensive immigration reform. Let's call it what it is, the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Because the 9-11 Commission found that terrorists, and not just on 9-11, but others that preceded that attack, because they explored that, the Commission did, <clears throat> found that the, the, the hijackers and the terrorists used fake identity, they committed fraud, they lied about their backgrounds, they lied about their affiliations, they entered the United States with multiple false documents. So immigration fraud was a big deal. So here we're going to have a program to give legal status to people who can't prove who they are. And in the aggregate, by the way, the 19 hijackers who carried out the attack almost 20 years ago, in the aggregate they used over 300 false names. So when you look at all that, I said, you know what? If we're stupid and corrupt enough to do this kind of a program, we should call it the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. Jeff Sessions at the time was a senator from Alabama. He quoted me and then sent me a very nice certificate and said that his ability to use my words on three separate days during the floor debate persuaded enough of his colleagues in the Senate to vote no for comprehensive immigration reform. You could imagine <clears throat> that the eight gangsters, or the gang of eight, including Lindsey Graham and, <clears throat> and um, well, Chuck Schumer, and I, I don't have the names in front of me, but if you remember that, the rogues gallery, wanted comprehensive reform, both sides of the aisle. As I said, they're in on this together. By the way, it's interesting, when they met, they told their staffers to leave the room. Of course, they didn't want witnesses to the crime. Staffers in here, we don't want them to hear us laughing our brains out. They were playing us for suckers. So they couldn't get comprehensive immigration reform passed because Jeff Sessions delivered an impassioned argument from the floor of the Senate I cannot tell you how gratifying it was to know that he was able to use my words. I was thrilled. In fact, I, I, uh, in 2014, I went to Florida, and I participated at the Horowitz Center, um, the Freedom Center, David Horowitz Freedom Center, in a, pass, in a panel discussion <clears throat> with Jeff Sessions, Louis Gohmert, and another congressman at the time, John Fleming. It was great to be with Jeff Sessions. I had dinner with him and his wife, great people. And so... Um, they couldn't get comprehensive reform passed. What to do, what to do? Well, Americans have a soft spot for children. Aha! Okay, so now they come up with 
drum roll please, the Dream Act. Now, you know that terrible word, alien, that word of hate that you're never supposed to use unless you're talking about flying saucers? Well, Dream Act is actually an acronym for Development, Relief, and Education of Alien, Alien Miners. Well, they needed an A for the American Dream, so suddenly the word alien was acceptable. Just don't you dare use it because they will cancel you and accuse you of being a hate monger. So the DREAM Act was Development, Relief, and Education for Alien Miners. Now, what was interesting, and if this was really about children, I might have supported it. I might have. So this is another con game. These are all con games. These are scams. These are scam artists. Trust me, you don't want to buy used cars or anything else from these people. These people make the late Madoff inept. These guys are great con guys, okay? So they said, listen, this is to help the children who were brought here by their parents and they had no say in what happened. If that was the case, they could have said, if you are a child under the age of 21, go to an immigration office with your school ID, your school records, any other identity documents, utility bills, whatever, and we'll help you. I might have agreed. I, I don't like it because, again, when you create amnesty, you create expectations that violations of law get rewarded, so it disincentivizes uh, following the law. But if that was what it was about, but it wasn't. Because here was a little trick, and very few people realize it because you never really heard it. The emphasis was they had to have come before they were 16. Okay. But they could have been as old as 35 when they filed the application. Why 35? Because demographers back then said that at least 90% of the illegal aliens are under the age of 35. So this was really a rework of comprehensive immigration reform, the Terrorist Assistance and Facilitation Act. And they marketed it as a way of helping the children. Now, are there kids that get caught up in this? Yes. Do I feel sorry for them? Absolutely. However, we have laws in our country, and this is not a good situation. We also had gangbangers and MS-13 and all sorts of other individuals who uh, wound up getting involved with the DREAM Act, or rather with the, with the, uh, the DREAMers that Obama gave us. So the DREAM Act failed to pass. I believe they tried twice, and both times it crashed and burned. So Obama at one point, and if you read my article, you'll see what he had to say. I don't have the authority to do anything about it. There's laws that are on the books. I'm the president. I'm not an emperor. I'm not a king. I can't do what I want. And then a year later, he said, screw it. I'll do what I want. Now, what's remarkable was he gives this speech in June of, 2000, of, of uh, 2012, and what was the speech about? Congress failed to act. Just stop. Congress failed to act? What do you mean? Congress voted no. That's not a failure to act. Congress failed to act the way he wanted. So he said, I'm going to impose prosecutorial discretion and give temporary status under deferred action to the kids, the young people, the children. His words. He kept talking about how young they were. And the age cutoff was 31. They moved it down a little bit. Not 15 or 16. They had a claim they came before they were 16, but they could be as old as 31. Is this about the young people? No. 
If it was about young people, they would have said, if you are under the age of 21, go to an immigration office. Uh-uh. So again, it was a backdoor swindle to try to convince Americans that this is about young immigrants because America always tries to take care of children. We we go every we go so far out of our way to help people who are in poverty all over the world, but especially children. We melt for children, and that's fine. I'm a parent. I have I have four children. I have grandchildren. I, I live for my kids. I live for my grandchildren. I'm sure you're the same way if you're blessed and have children of your own. But this was a scam. This was a scam. And finally, a judge turned around and said, this is unlawful. The president had no authority to do it. And he said that as of right now, the Department of Homeland Security may not adjudicate any further applications. The aliens who were granted lawful status, this doesn't change anything for them at this point. And I think this case is going to wind up in the Supreme Court. I hope they do the right thing. So this is really good news because a judge finally said, this is crazy. But if you remember when Donald Trump tried to stop it, because this wasn't even done as an executive order. It was on a memo. Yeah, why don't we give them legal status? By the way, deferred action was something we always did. If you read my article, it goes into all these details. And here's what's important. I want you to take this article and the other articles I write and send them to your friends who disagree with you and just ask them, please read the article. Let's not talk about personalities. Let's not talk about Nancy. Let's not talk about Chuck. Let's not talk about Donald. Let's just talk about the issues. Do you think it makes sense to flood America with aliens at a time when we worried about COVID and jobs and national security? Go through the list. Inflation the impact on the economy, the aliens send their money back home, which makes sense for them, and I don't blame them, but it further increases our national debt, and the money that leaves the economy doesn't create what's known as the multiplier effect, creating more commerce. So this isn't good for Americans. This is not good for Americans. And if Americans are are, are willing to go along with it, that's fine. That's how the democratic process works. They let the politicians sell us on the merits of their proposal. But they need to be honest. <clears throat> Perhaps th- there should be some requirement that when these politicians go out there on, on the stump and they make all these promises, uh, that you know uh, who wrote it for them. And they should be signing it, and, and, and there should be some kind of accountability. If you take a job and your employer asks you, Do you know computer languages? Do you know how to use PowerPoint? Do you know how to use Excel? Are you able to drive an 18-wheeler? Can you fly a Learjet? Whatever it is. And you say, yes, I can do that. And then they hire you, and then they say, well, okay, we need you to create some PowerPoint charts. And you go, "Mm, you know, I, I, I really can't do that. You get fired. So why aren't politicians being held to the same standard? You've promised you're going to do this, and then you don't do it, and there's no repercussions? That's crazy. You know, the lemon law ought to apply, don't you think? And boy, are they lemons. Man. So so the point of the matter is you have a judge saying you can't do this, uh, but they didn't do that with Trump. Because when Trump said, I want to stop what's going on, the courts ruled you don't have the authority to block a program created by another administration that many people, myself included, believe was completely illegal. And this judge now apparently does believe it was illegal. If you wonder why people are losing faith in our government, in the courts, in all of our governmental systems, 
This is a great example because no one is ever asking the question, how does the DREAM Act impact American kids? How does the DREAM Act impact American communities and the school systems and everything else under the sun? Shouldn't that be the number one question? Should be, but it isn't. Oh, goodness gracious, I don't even know where to go with this. And then we get to an article that I wrote for the blog at US Incorporated, usinc.org. They used to publish the Social Contract, which was a quarterly magazine, and I contributed close to two dozen articles for them over the years, so they've asked me to, to do a blog a couple times a month. So July 26th, here's my article, Biden Department of Justice Drops Criminal Charges Lodged Against Five Chinese Spies. And these spies were accused of concealing their ties to the Chinese military when they came to the United States to do medical research. We see a lot of this. There's another case that just broke of nine Chinese aliens, I'm sorry, eight Chinese, <clears throat> and one American private detective who was duped because they were harassing Chinese um, uh, individuals in the United States who immigrated to America, and they wanted to get them back home to shut them up, very much like what happened with the Iranian woman that I talked about last week that Iran tried to do, uh, a rendition, if you will, drag them from the United States back to the home country where they could be imprisoned or executed. So these five spies were charged with visa fraud. The fraud was they lied on their applications for visa, concealing the fact that they were part of the military. Pretty straightforward. Biden administration comes along, because this happened under Trump, of course, and, the China, and, and, and so Biden comes along and says, oh, well, there's a question if they gave these people the Miranda warning, and since it's only a year in jail when you commit visa fraud, and they've already been in jail for a year, we're just going to drop the visa fraud charge. Amazing lie. Visa fraud, ladies and gentlemen, as a minimum, carries a five-year maximum jail sentence, if that makes any sense to you. In other words, under ordinary circumstances, someone is charged with visa fraud, they're looking at up to five years in jail, not one year. But if the visa fraud is carried out in conjunction with other crimes, the penalties go up. If the crimes involve drugs, it's a 20-year jail sentence. If it involves terrorism, it's a 25-year maximum sentence. Where did the one year come from? There is no one-year charge for visa fraud. There is no one-year charge for making false statements of any sort, um, 18 U.S.C. 1001. Again, five-year jail sentence for false statements. General Flynn found out what the charge is because he was kind of put into a perjury box. And they got him for perjury because they kind of set him up. And, and he was immediately told, yes, you're looking at five years in jail. So how is it that the Biden administration comes out and says, oh, well, these guys were just looking at a year in jail. They've already spent a year in jail while this whole thing was ongoing. So we're going to drop these fraud. It's a bald face. Do you think anyone is knocking on the White House door and saying, ah, uh, Hey, Joe, uh, can you explain this one? Can't explain it. Nobody can explain this one. I mean, so, so the justification for dropping the charges is bogus. Visa fraud is critical. Just about every terrorist who comes into the country, the 9-11 Commission said it was two-thirds committed visa fraud. I would argue 
that it's probably all good. They certainly lied to the inspector if they came through a port of entry. I know I did that job as an inspector for four years. Again, I'm speaking from a position of experience. The talking heads on TV are clueless. They wouldn't know an immigration inspector from, from a, you know, a dead chicken inspector. I spent four years as an immigration inspector. And generally, you routinely ask, what is the purpose for your visit? How long do you plan to stay? And where will you be staying? And then the, the questions will flow from whatever they tell you. And you only get about a minute or so, by the way, because the lines keep moving. So it's, it's, a, it's a terrible system. And that's why every year we wind up with about a half million aliens who are admitted into the country disappearing. They disappear, and there's no consequences because you have no interior enforcement. Oops, they disappeared. It's a magic act. So the, the bottom line, though, is that when people come in, I don't think the terrorists told the inspectors, yes, hi, we're here to blow up America. We want to kill lots of your citizens. I don't think anyone ever said that to an immigration inspector at the airport or wherever they came in. Immigration fraud is a very critical vulnerability. It allows spies in. It allows terrorists in. It allows fugitives in. And you would want to set an example, you would think. So Joe Biden set an example. Not only do we let illegal aliens come into the United States, come one, come all, but we're not going to arrest them because the ICE agents, Immigration and Customs Enforcement agents, are under orders to not arrest illegal aliens, even if they have an outstanding immigration warrant, unless on top of the warrant you have a rap sheet with a whole bunch of convictions of very serious crimes. That's not what the law says. The law says, in fact, I can tell you, Back in 1975, when I became an immigration special agent, we were called criminal investigators back then, same job, different job title, then we eventually took the title special agent. If you went into a factory and you saw some guy working on the production line or you went to a gas station and some guy's pumping gas or changing oil and you'd say to the guy, hi, I'm with immigration, do you have ID? And the guy would say, yes, here's my passport. And you look at the passport and this guy entered the United States last week as a tourist. And you go to the guy running the gas station and say, Mr. Smith, is, is this guy out there pumping gas one of your employees? Oh, yes, I hired him last Thursday. Good worker. That's great. Do you have a time card for him? And I would get all the information. And the next thing that happened is we put handcuffs on that guy, put him in the back of our car, brought him into the office, he may have wound up staying overnight in the immigration detention center, and he saw a judge the next day. Now, you might think that's kind of strange. The guy came in two weeks ago. He was given, let's say, three months to stay in the United States. And two weeks after he comes in, I find him and I arrest him because as a tourist, he had no permission to work. He was taking a job that should have gone to an American or a lawful immigrant. He was in violation of his visa. We arrested him, he went before a judge, and generally, by the end of the week, he was back home, wherever home was. Nobody screamed, nobody fainted, nobody complained, because it makes sense. You came as a tourist, you're not supposed to work, you're working, you violated the terms of your admission, you're out of here. We're not putting you in jail for 10 years, we're just saying you lied about the purpose for coming, you took unauthorized employment, bye-bye, and don't come back. That's the way we did things. It was rational. It was logical. And then lawyers got together and said, well, 
Why are we getting rid of these people? These are clients. We could make money off of this. And companies said, oh, we want to hire illegal aliens because we can treat them like crap. And they're not going to complain to anybody, are they? So suddenly, pressure was being applied. And suddenly, <laughs> our ability to do the job as immigration agents kept on getting watered down and whittled down. And don't do this and don't do that. We used to find an alien hanging out at a drug location. The law says that if you are over the age of 18 and you're an alien, you must carry with you proof of alien registration, which means a green card, a passport, or some other documents that immigration authorities have given you. And very often we would go into a drug location, and let's say we had a bunch of people from Jamaica or Trinidad or wherever, Panama, and they'd be hanging out at a drug location. Or we would go out with public morals and they would raise houses of prostitution. The girls might have been illegal. They might have been trafficked. So they became informants. They helped us identify the human traffickers. And the judge, the people who became the, the clientele, if they were here illegally, they got arrested. And we would ask the CID. Now, what was interesting, and we found this happening quite a bit within the Jamaican West Indian community, we'd ask the CID, and they'd say, I don't have any. So you'd bring them into the office, because under the law, you can arrest an alien for failure to carry proof of alien registration. And very often the reason they didn't want you to know their real names is because they had outstanding warrants. I mean, serious stuff. Murder, armed robbery, rape, uh, you know, possession of serious quantities of narcotics, firearms violations. These were truly bad people. And, of course, they lied about their identities. So the way that we were able to get our hooks in was, okay, you're at a drug location. We would arrest them. Failure to carry proof of alien registration. We'd run the fingerprints. And immigration back then was so unwilling to take itself seriously that I had to take fingerprints and bring them up to DEA because we had no electronic fingerprint process, uh, which we got after I testified before Congress in 97 and said we need real-time fingerprints. We used to mail in the fingerprint cards. I kid you not. We would arrest somebody fingerprint them, we would deport them, we'd mail the fingerprints to the FBI in Washington, and about a month later we would get a notice from the FBI, the guy is wanted for a triple homicide, where is he? Oh, he's probably back in Kingston. Oh, he's probably back in Barcelona. Oh, maybe he's in Hong Kong, wherever, because, you know, this is from all over the world. Again, this isn't about Mexico or Latin America, folks. I work closely with the Israelis. I arrested an individual wanted for murder in Israel. We sent him home, he was found guilty, and, and, and sentenced to a lengthy jail sentence. So human nature is human nature. So what we, we found out were these people would lie about their identities because they knew they had outstanding warrants, and we would run the prints, and we came up with all kinds of really bad people. You know, we used to have a warrant squad routinely there. Uh, Marshal service would come down. The guy was wanted for all kinds of crimes. And one day we were told, if you find somebody who's not carrying an alien card, don't arrest them. Why not? We just told you, don't arrest them. Is there a problem? No problem. Don't arrest them. And this goes back to the uh, late 80s. Already the political pressure was building to water down our ability to protect America through the enforcement of our immigration laws. Now, the new kids who are there don't even have any recollection of this. Uh, the guys that have worked for Homeland Security, great guys. I have institutional knowledge and memory that they don't. So what passed for business as usual in the 70s and 80s 
would probably make these guys faint if they knew how we operate. And there was nothing wrong with it. There was nothing illegal about it. Do you have ID? No. Are you an alien? Yes. You're under arrest. It's just that simple. Because the law said we had that authority. So even though the law gave us that authority, we were told to not exercise that authority. It was the beginning of the end of immigration law enforcement. The beginning of the end. Why in the world would you expect aliens to take our immigration laws seriously when the President of the United States of America is doing everything in his power to undermine those laws that are supposed to protect public safety, public health, national security, and the jobs and wages of Americans? Nancy Pelosi went to Mexico shortly after the terror attacks of 9-11 and said, I'll never forget it, said that immigration agents were acting as terrorists within immigrant communities, creating a climate of fear. No, Nancy, it's called a climate of deterrence. But what was the message to the world? Immigration laws, they don't exist. Don't you bother. It's okay. We're okay with whatever you want to do. Violate the laws? No problem. In fact, we'll help you out. In fact, We'll provide you with free lawyers. Why? Because lawyers hate to work for nothing. So everything was being done to try to help the lawyers gain more clients, corporations gain more cheap labor, and the Chamber of Commerce was thrilled because businesses, you know, what the hey, they want more customers. Never mind what Americans want. Never mind that the laws are supposed to protect us. This is where we are today. Hardly a government of the people, by the people, or for the people. Unless the people we're talking about are worth a billion dollars or more. Those are the people who get the best government money can buy. And as for you and me and all of us other American chumps, you're on your own. George Carlin did a great routine, and he said, America is controlled by a club, and you ain't in that club. Boy, was he right. We really need to have these conversations with our neighbors, folks. We need to have all of us on the same sheet of music, and I don't care if we're Democrats or Republicans. I don't even care if we agree or disagree on such critical issues as abortion or school prayer. We're allowed to disagree. It says American is apple pie. It's all about the First Amendment. But don't you think that as Americans we should all be on the same page that fair but effective enforcement of immigration laws that are designed to protect American lives and national security and the jobs and wages of Americans is one issue that all of us could agree on? I sure as hell believe that's the case. Please have those conversations. Check out my articles. Share them with as many people as you can. Become part of what I call my bucket brigade of truth. The facts are stubborn things, and I need you to help. Remember, folks, democracy is not a spectator sport. I hope you have a great weekend. Take good care of yourselves. Stay safe, be well, and we'll see you again right here next week at the Michael Cutler Hour. So long for now.